Good morning. Today's verse is from uh, Exodus 31, 1 through 11. <clears throat> then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have, been, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have fulfilled him with the spirit of God, with the wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stone, to work in wood, and, in to, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed, I don't know how to say that, but Olahab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. And I have given the ability to all skilled workers to make everything I have commanded, commanded you. The tent of the meeting, the Ark of the Covenant, law uh, with the atonement cover on it, and all the other furnishings of the tent, the table and its articles, the pure gold lampstand, and all the accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings, and all its utensils, the basin with its stands, and also the woven garment, garments, both the sacred garments of, for Aaron, the priest, and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests, and the anointing oil and fragrant incense for the holy place. They are to make them just as I, as I commanded you. Casting problems are holding up the production. It is, it's an often heard phrase. <laughs> oh, I'm good? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's it, right? Okay, I'm sorry. You took my opening line, Sean. <laughs> you bring it back there. Thank you. <laughs> Amen for the reading of God's word. There's power in God's word. But maybe that, that phrase, casting problems are holding up the production, is something you've heard. When there's a highly anticipated movie or play and they aren't moving along as the director or even the public would like, casting problems are holding up the production. The script is written, the scenery has been designed and created, everything is ready for action, and then casting problems arise. One star decides that he doesn't like the lines of his part. Another decides she doesn't like the direction that the director is going. And still another thinks that their role is more important, deserving of more attention. While yet another thinks their part is pointless. Well, if I'm just standing out there as an extra, why is it even a role in the first place? Such is the problem in Christianity in the world. Such is the problem in the kingdom. Such is the problem in the church. The script is ready. In the gospel, there's great drama in the redemption of God's people. It's all written out, just waiting for the cast. The scenery has been created. The world is waiting. But casting problems are holding up the production the cast of living men and women who would give a demonstration of the power of the word to the world are missing. 
We complain about our lines. We don't like the direction that the director is going. We complain about our role, thinking that we're more valuable than others and deserve more credit. Or in some instances, we don't see our value at all. Why am I here? What am I doing? And that's why we've been in a series on the lesser-known characters in the Bible. Because in the mission of God to get his word to the world, there are no roles that are too small. There are no roles that are too big for us. And so we look to these lesser-known characters to find that each of us has a role to play in the church and in the kingdom. God has chosen you to be a part of his living caste in his mission in the world. But the question that we need to ask ourselves, am I holding up production? Am I getting in the way of God's work? Or am I engaging in his work so that others see him through me? Or am I making excuses because I don't think I can do it? The job is too small for me, or that job is too big for me. Now, if anyone would have had the excuse of, well, that job, that job is just too big for me, I can't do it. It would have been our character this morning. Bezaleel was chosen by God to build the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the housing of God's spirit, the earthly housing dwelling place of God. That's a big job. Talk about feeling unable. Talk about feeling unworthy for a task. This one would be it. And yet we are introduced to Bezalel in the words of the Lord. I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have chosen Bezalel. I want to I want to break from our, our main character for a minute and, and go back to Moses. Can you imagine how Moses he, he hears all these instructions? This I have chosen Bezalel to do this. Can you just imagine Moses going, Oh good, good. Man, I've done all this. See, Moses on, is on top of Mount Sinai. He's starting in Exodus chapter 19. He, that's where he is. He's standing in the presence of the Lord. Moses has been given God's law, the Ten Commandments. And then in chapters 25 through 30, God gives instructions on a building project, the tabernacle. It's a detailed work order covering everything from the ark to the table for bread, the golden lampstand, the tabernacle curtains, the altar, the court, the garments for the priests, and each project having explicit and detailed instructions. You see, while Moses was called to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt and then through the wilderness, he was not called to complete the detailed building project. God had chosen someone else for that. And so you can just imagine for Moses, oh, good, that wasn't in my job description. But it was in Bezalel's job description. But you see, God had to let Moses know about that. 
because sometimes we don't see what God has before us. Sometimes we need our brothers and sisters to show us our gifting. Did you, did you know that this is, I think this is where God has you going. I see the giftedness in you. And so this is what God is telling me to share with you. Because I see that in you. Sometimes we need our brothers and sisters to help guide us, encourage us to follow the path that God has laid out before us. So God tells Moses, this guy, Bezalel, he's the one I've chosen to do this work. Some translations say, I have named Bezalel to do this work. Names are important to God. You go through the Old Testament, names always have purpose. Names always have meaning. And so the name of Bezalel means in the shadow of God. What does that mean? In the shadow of God. This is what David wrote in the Psalms about what it means to be in the shadow of God. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. You see, Bezalel walked with God. Bezalel trusted God. He found refuge and shelter in God. And God chooses him for a task. And God prepared him, then called him by name to do that task. The task that was uniquely set apart for him. You see, you're unique too. God has handcrafted you with your personality, with your set of talents and motivations. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. You see, God has a unique role for you right now, right where you are. And he'll have a unique role for you in the future, for whoever you're becoming, forever, wherever you will be, and whenever you get there. You don't have to be afraid of missing God's will, because God's will for you is essentially the same as it is for everyone. Be you. Be who he created you to be. In Isaiah 55, verse 12, you will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song. The trees of the field will clap their hands. The trees of the field will clap their hands. You see, a tree brings glory to God by just being a tree. For in being what God designed it to be, it's obeying God and fulfilling its purpose. But here's the catch. See, being yourself, being the masterpiece that God has designed you to be, requires that you admit your utter reliance upon God. After all, he's the one who created you. He's the one who created your purpose. 
So if you want to be you and you want to complete that purpose, you have to come to God. As God's creation, by definition, you're reliant on God for your very being. Without God, we're dead. And yet we try to find all sorts of ways to get around our dependence upon him. Or at least we try to convince ourselves that we don't need him. Well, I need him here, but maybe not over here. I don't think I need him. I, I, I got this. And yet when we are truly ourselves, when we truly rely completely on him and submit to his authority and trust in his goodness, that's when we are in the shadow of God, called for a purpose. The second thing that we see in Bezalel's story is that he was filled with the Spirit of God. Verse 3 says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Usually when we see this phrase in Scripture, it means that God is fitting a person for a task. We see in Judges chapter 3 with Othniel, who was called to be a judge, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he became Israel's judge. He went to war against King Cushan Rishathaim of Aram, and the Lord gave Othniel victory over him. Was that Othniel's victory? No, it was God's victory. Because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Same with Gideon in Judges chapter 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. He blew a trumpet, summoning the Abizrites to follow him. Called for a task. And again with Saul in 1 Samuel. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerful, powerfully upon you, said Samuel to Saul. And you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person. You see, when God prepares you, when he chooses you for a task, he's going to fill you with his Spirit. But in order to be filled up with his spirit, we must be empty of ourselves. We must yield to Jesus. We have to submit to his plans and his purposes for us. But that scares us. We want to know what the plan is. We want assurance before we step out. But that's not faith. Faith is confidence and assurance of what we don't see, not what we do. Faith doesn't see first and then act. Faith acts and then it sees. This past week in Bible study, someone said, faith goes before us. Faith goes before us. That's what it's about. You see, Bezalel was facing a monumental task. And he knew that it was impossible for him to do it without God. He needed the filling of the Spirit to accomplish the task. And this was not just a one-time filling of the Spirit. Not the way we fill up our gas tank and run it 
till we're empty. It's not that kind of filled with the Spirit. This is a constant filling to overflowing, like an overflowing fountain that is constantly filled up and constantly just bubbling out. Think of a hose in a bucket that's just running and running, and it fills and it's just constantly bubbling over. That's the kind of spirit-filled we need to be if we're to fulfill our purpose and our task that God has for us. You see, Bezalel was faced with building the tabernacle, a place for the presence of God to dwell. But get a load of this. He had to first become a tabernacle. He had to become filled with the Spirit of God in order to build the tabernacle. He couldn't build a place for God if he didn't have a place for God in him first. When God lives in us, he's the one who equips us for the task before us, just like he did for Bezalel. The Lord says he filled Bezalel with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. You see, this isn't about the Spirit just coming down upon us and giving us some magical power or magical skill that we didn't have before. Jesus described the Holy Spirit as our helper. You see, the Holy Spirit complements and enables the gifts and talents that God already put in us. For the work that he's already prepared for us. If you've ever watched someone grow up from infancy to adulthood, and you've watched them walk through a season with God, then you know what this means to be filled with the Spirit so that God uses what he's put into them. One of my girls, ever since she was, could walk, she would, we would go on walks, and she would collect things, things that she saw as beautiful, things to me that were probably not worth picking up. But even to this day, in her closet in my home, there are boxes and boxes of collections that she has of sticks, of little rocks, of little stones and leaves and dried flowers, things that to her, when she saw on her walks, were art. They were beautiful things. And that's what she's doing today. She's an artist. This summer, she's teaching kids that same beauty of art. But that's what God does. He takes what he's already put in us, and then he enhances it when we allow him to fill us up. Take my husband, for example. When he was a boy, he was a master. Let's take it apart. Let's take it apart, and then we can put it back together again. He had boxes and boxes of Legos where he would take them apart, put them together, build all kinds of things. And then when he went into high school, he got on the football team, and he started playing football. He was a big guy, so he he thought it was something that would fit with him. But then when he started playing, and he would get down, 
people would step on his hands. And he just didn't like it. I don't like it when they step on my hands. And so, but God knew that he was going to need his hands as an adult. As a surgeon, his hands were going to be important to him. And so he quit football because I don't like people stepping on my hands. We didn't know it at the time. We laugh about it now as we, he was, he was taunted and teased. Oh, what a baby, what a wimp. He's quitting football because they're stepping on his hands. But now who's laughing? God says, I knew what you needed. I put in you to quit football because I needed those hands to stay protected so you could do the work I had planned for you long ago. That's what this is about. It's not about just some magical power that's going to descend upon you. No, God's already given you the gifts you need to fulfill your purpose. But you need to be filled with him to enhance it so you're not afraid, so you have the courage, so you have the strength to do what he wants you to do. Even look at Jesus. He was raised in the skill of his earthly father, Joseph, who was a carpenter. As a carpenter, Jesus fixed broken things. He built new things, new creations with the very materials that he spoke into existence. In his ministry on earth, he came to fix broken people. He came to make us new creations. He came to build his church. God is always working. He's always preparing. Like Bezalel, God has created each of us with a work in mind. God has designed you. He's called you. He's empowered you for a specific work. Every one of you. Not only did God equip Bezalel with special gifts and skills for the task, but he also gifted others to help him in his journey, in his project. Verse 6 says, Also I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. It's that message of community again that we see over and over in Scripture. We're not meant to do any of this alone. We're created to be a community. We're to engage in the work of God together. Every follower of Christ is gifted by the grace of God to participate in the building of his church. Although different grace gifts are given to different people, that's how the body of Christ is able to work together as one unit. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. But if they were all one part, where would the body be? There are many parts in one body. God gives us to be involved in the construction of his dwelling place. The story of Bezalel shows us how God empowers every one of us to participate in the construction of his earthly dwelling place. Not everyone is gifted the same way. No one is gifted with all the gifts. And yet all the gifts are needed to build up the church and show God's glory to the world. 
We need God, but we also need one another. One last point before we finish up on Bezalel. At the close of Exodus chapter 31, after God gives these instructions for the building project, and he gives instructions, he gives instructions for the Sabbath. Exodus 31 verse 13 says, Tell the people of Israel, Be careful to keep my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you from generation to generation. It is given so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Remember the Sabbath. Remember who it is that gifts you. Remember who it is that guides you and strengthens you. Remember the Sabbath to remain in the shadow of the Lord, to grow in deeper relationship with him, to remain in his will. Lest we do too many good things and not the God thing that he has planned for us. And Sabbath is not just about Sunday. Sabbath is any time that you sit apart where it's you and the Lord. You and the Lord coming together, just sitting in his presence. I always think of of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus while Martha is doing all the work. She's busy, busy, busy. And she misses the most important thing. Mary enjoyed a Sabbath sitting at the feet of Jesus. If you want to fulfill the purpose that God has for you, you need to sit at the feet of Jesus. That's Sabbath. You have to recognize who he is, his strength, his love for you. Because God has chosen you. He has called you by name. He's given you a place to belong. He's given you a family to be a part of. And he wants to fill you with his spirit, with his ability, with his knowledge and craftsmanship to do his work, the work that he has planned and prepared for just you. But in the same question we asked at the beginning, Are casting problems holding up the production? We need to ask ourselves, am I holding up production? Am I getting in the way of God's work? Or am I engaging in his work so that others can see him through me? The life of Bezalel tells us that God has a unique plan and purpose for everyone. But in order to fulfill it, We must take a step of faith. We must allow his spirit to fill us up to overflowing. What Bezalel was going to create, it couldn't come from him. It had to come from God. See, Bezalel was given a God-initiated, God-ordained vision. Bezalel could only build the tabernacle and do what God called him to do only because God was with him. God made the impossible possible. 
What is God calling you for this morning? He has a purpose for every one of you. As the song starts this morning, I want to call you, do not leave this place without knowing Jesus. Do not leave this place with questions. If you need prayer, please, during the last song that we're about to sing, please come forward, come to our altars. If you would like to pray by yourself, come to this side. If you want someone to pray with you, please come over here. We are a family. We are the body of Christ. No one should leave here feeling alone. No one should leave here feeling apart, separated. I'm going to ask Bridget to come forward and, and, and begin singing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example of Bezalel. You show us how grand your love is, how grand your purpose is, and yet you open up opportunities for us to be a part of that plan. Holy Lord, help us to be filled with you. If we don't desire it yet, Lord, keep pursuing us. Keep pursuing us until we say, Lord, I need you now. Lord, fill me with your spirit. I'm empty of myself. I need you to fill me up. Lord, if there's anyone in this place this morning that needs to hear from you, nudge them forward for prayer, Father. May we be your hands and feet. May we pray over those this morning that need your encouragement, that needs your strength, that needs your spirit. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. Mm -hmm.